You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, coming to you live from the Doug Lacey Basement Systems Studio. For everything basement-y, they got you covered. Serving Calgary and Southern Alberta since 1992. At the bottom of the hour... Daryl Evans, former NHLer, LA Kings radio analyst, tee up Kings in Flames tonight. The Pat Steinberg Telethon gets going at 2 p.m. today. In support of the middle-aged men with Rumbly Tumbly yep. Society. Uh, he gets going uh, at uh, 2 p.m. No, that's Sportsnet today. Am I looking at him? He's, he's got a late start today. Is it 4 p.m.? 4 p.m. start. Yeah, sorry. He'll go to 4.30. Then he'll be joined yeah. by Peter Labardius. They'll do uh, Flames warm-up. 5.30 to 6.30, early puck drop today. Make sure you can make a note because you got to get to the dome early yep. because they're doing puck drop early. Usually it's at 7, today it's 6.30. Yeah, uh, the Pat's Timer Telethon gets going at uh, 4 p.m. today. Joining us on the line right now, got a really, really nice ovation down at the dome on Saturday night after making his return to the broadcast booth, the Voice of the Flames on Sportsnet. We say good morning to Rick Ball and the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline rick good morning how are you uh, i'm well how are you guys doing we're good thanks for jumping on um your story is pretty remarkable um i know you you're probably a little sick of talking about it and everything that went along with it but for listeners who aren't familiar with uh why you're away from the broadcast booth for a little bit could you enlighten us please yeah i had a pulmonary embolism uh, just over a month ago, around a month ago now, um, which is blood clots in my lungs. Started with a blood clot in my leg, which started when I broke my leg and then did some traveling. So it's, you know, kind of a chain of events, a little bit of a freak combination of factors that led to me being on the floor in my kitchen unconscious. Thank God my wife was home and called the ambulance and um, they got me to the hospital, filled me full of blood thinners, and I've been recovering since. But it was, you know, it was a pretty tough few days for sure when that happened and then just a matter of getting my strength back and thank goodness um i am so it was great to get back to work the other night first uh, game since the opening night of the season and you know i mentioned during the broadcast and you know i've said it other times as well that it's um the support and um love i felt from everybody who reached out to me while i was recovering really meant a lot it was uh, overwhelming quite frankly so um it was terrific to get back in the booth and you know, start focusing on hockey again. The funny thing is, guys, I've always been a big believer. Like, Bob Cole is my favorite play-by-play guy growing up. And his philosophy was always, hey, we're just there to talk about what's happening on the ice. That's the show. We're a compliment to it, right? Uh, and then all of a sudden, all this attention was on me. I'm like, you know, I appreciate that people cared. It really meant a lot. And yet it's extremely awkward to keep talking about myself because I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, we're here for that. What's going on down there? But, um I understand, uh, you know, that, that people had concern and it, really, it did mean a lot to me uh, and does mean a lot to me how much, um, you know, they, they showed me that uh, they were thinking of me over the course of the last few weeks because, uh, like I said, the, the amount of people who reached out to me, um, you know, colleagues, obviously family and friends and fans uh, was was truly overwhelming. So I'm really appreciative uh, of, I, uh, of that. Is, uh, Rick, this is the last time I'm going to ask you about this. Sure. Um, and thank you for jumping on this morning. But the reason on how you broke your, your foot, your leg, uh, is an incredible <laughs> story. 
please share that with us as well. Yeah. By the way, I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not upset with you guys for asking. Don't get me wrong. I'm just uh, it, the, the whole the whole experience has been uh, it, kind of a weird surreal, right? Feelings. It's it's yeah, unbelievable, yeah, yeah. really. They say when a yeah. plane crashes, it's a series of events that leads to a plane crash. You've yeah. literally lived this thing. the last few weeks, which is just it's incredible. Yeah, it's rarely, you know, not, not to get overly dramatic, but in a plane crash, it's usually a combination of things, right? Yeah. One thing happens, and then somebody makes a mistake, and then, you know, oops, and next thing you know, you're going into the side of the mountain. Um, I was playing golf at a tournament in Kelowna. I'm coming off the, one of the uh, greens, walking across the fairway towards my golf cart. I see a bird going after a sandwich. Here's the crazy thing. Now that I think back, it wasn't even my sandwich. It was my partner's sandwich. The birds, <laughs> the birds poking around in the golf cart. You know what they do. They, they get smart, right? Yeah. So I, I started running across the fairway to chase the bird away, and I stepped in a sprinkler hole, and I broke my fibula. Oh, um, my God. So, yeah. So like an idiot, I finished the round and then decided to play three more rounds of golf before I went to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> 11 days later, told me, yeah, you've got a broken leg. <laughs> it said, put this, put this air cast on and, you know, and come back and see me in six weeks. So I hobbled around for the next six weeks with an air cast on and uh, did some traveling in the meantime. Um, took the cast off, did some more traveling, and then the – you know what? Then I, I wound up with blood clots in my lungs. And, Unbelievable. Um, and then when I went to the hospital, doctors said, uh, have you broken any bones lately or done any traveling? And I said, yes. And they said, which one? And I said, both. And they're like, yeah, well, that explains it. So wow. uh, because two of the main causes of, uh, of, of blood clots are broken bones and traveling. So, um, yeah, it was just a series of events that, uh, you know, strung together led to you know, some health complications, but the good news is I'm doing much better. What would have happened if you would have caught the bird, Rick? <laughs> yeah, I would have broken its leg, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Especially now that I can find it. I don't know if I'd recognize it at this point, but uh, anybody sees a suspicious-looking magpie with a tuna sandwich in its mouth two months later in Kelowna, let me know. <laughs> I'll pay it a visit. Well, hey, listen, I and I love that it was your partner's sandwich, and it, uh, I understand why Kelly Rudy Stand is such a guy. humongous fan. Like that, it, it nothing surprises me there. Um, what did you make of the game, uh, Rick? Back in the booth, the Flames break that losing streak. Probably not a coincidence. But what did you make of how they were able to take on the Jets at home in front of a pretty good crowd? Yeah. I think Chris Tanev coming back might have had more to do with the win mm. than I did, but <laughs> um, I Debatable. thought it was great. You know, it's interesting. I mentioned this to – I was working with Greg Millen on the weekend. I mentioned this to him during the show, and, you know, it's not – I'm not the first guy to make this observation, but it seems like streaks one way or the other, they, they, they have some um, momentum to them. So oftentimes when you're losing or in a funk, you'll play a couple of good games at the end before you finally get a win. And vice versa, you can be on a winning streak and play a couple of stinkers and just out of force of habit still win and before you start losing. So I feel like Calgary played three really good games in that last road trip, uh, but they just couldn't get those timely goals when they needed them. This was the difference, I think, during their spunk compared to last year. Last year, they get teams back on their heels, especially they had so many good starts last year, and uh, they'd have teams pinned to their own end for the entire first period. And then that top line, which was maybe the best line in all of hockey last year, would get them a goal or two. Mm -hmm. So instead of being up one nothing, which is what they were in those three games on the road trip, they'd be up 3 nothing, And that's a massive difference. They weren't getting those big goals at critical times. And, you know, the goaltending wasn't, hasn't been as good this season. I know 
it's going to get better because both those guys are really good goalies. Um, but, it, you know, even Daryl Sutter's talked about it. They weren't getting the big save. They weren't getting the big goal. And they were watching leads evaporate during that slump. I mean, they had the lead six of seven times, you know, seven game, seven straight losses. So um, last game, they, they, they got some terrific saves. Markstrom was outstanding. And they got some big goals when mm-hmm. they needed it. And that was the difference. So, um, you know, they did a lot of the same things they did on those games on Long Island and New Jersey and in Boston. But uh, they got the results because they, you know, as soon as Winnipeg ties the game up at two, what happens? You know, Trevor Lewis scores a beautiful shorthanded goal. And then Markstrom makes two or three spectacular saves. They lock it down on the third period. And, um, you know, it's a big win. So we'll see if that turns the momentum around. Because it wasn't just the one game. They played, I think, a few really good games at the end of that slump. And we'll see if this victory can sort of swing the momentum the other way uh, heading into the game tonight. One of the most polarizing moments of that game was the the windmill pad stack save from Jacob Markstrom in the first period on Mark Shifley. He makes 21 of 23 saves in a first-star performance. And we've been playing your call. We've been playing Derek's call. We've been playing the Hockey Night in Canada Punjabi guys' calls. And... uh, (laughs) We're looking for some nicknames on this. One of our favorites is Stackholm St- Syndrome. Um, but I'm just wondering what you made of the stop, uh, your initial reaction, and uh, if you've got any nicknames for the save that oh, we man. saw. I haven't thought of that. Of Nick, I don't know if you can call it Stack. I mean, I like the nickname. I think it's pretty good, Stackholm, except that he didn't stop it with his pad. He stopped it with his mm-hmm. arm. Mm-hmm. Um so, I mean, I, I, I said on the air and then, you know, just in the heat of the moment that he did a cartwheel, it wasn't quite bad. It was more like breakdancing. You know, it's like he brought out that big, the old refrigerator cardboard yeah. box and threw it down and <laughs> did some shoulder spins. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. It was something else. I don't have a nickname, but that was a terrific save. But, I, you know, sometimes the little things can get a team going. I think little things can get a player going. And Jacob Markstrom last year wasn't a mirage, right? He had a tough series against the Oilers. The whole team did. Um, so, you know, you knew it was going to take a little while to shake that off uh, for him, but he's better than he's been so far this season. I think that was what we saw last night was our last game on Saturday was a guy who's um, perhaps ready to get rolling like he did a year ago. I mean, you don't finish runner up for the Vezina trophy by fluke, right? This guy's a great goalie. And uh, that was an unbelievable save. It'll be on all the highlight reels for the rest of the season. And beyond that, uh, something else. I mean, you know, a bit of a desperation play, but uh, boy, it worked. And, you know, uh, so that's the one that we're all focusing on. I just thought he was rock solid the whole game. There was the two goals that went in, he had no chance on. Uh, one goes off one of his own players. Um, and the other one was a terrific pass to set up Dubois. Morrissey makes a, an unbelievable play. Uh, so neither of those are on the goaltending. And then on top of the one that we were all talking about, there were at least three or four other really good saves. And he just looked confident, right? That's the biggest thing to me. Uh, the t- biggest takeaway in terms of his play on Saturday was the fact that he was playing like the guy that we saw last year when, um, you know, he looked like a, like a goaltender most nights if he sees it, it ain't going in. And uh, that's good news for Flames fans if that continues. Rick Ball from the NHL on Sportsnet joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Obviously, uh, Rick, when you're away from uh, the broadcast booth, I'm sure you're watching a ton of Flames games. Jonathan Huberto uh, making his, uh, hope what we think, is return of the lineup tonight on the on the line with Backlund, which is kind of really weird. What's your read on Jonathan Huberto so far as a Calgary Flame? Is it as simple as saying that he's just pressing too hard right now? 
I, I think that's a big part of it. You know, and I talked to Kelly about this often. He understands the dynamic of being a pro athlete and being in a room. And I think when guys come to new teams, and especially when they get big money, there's a lot of pressure to deliver, and sometimes they take it on themselves. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to play amateur psychologist with Jonathan Huberdeau. I've talked to him only a couple of times, but um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that's one of the issues. I mean, he's stepping in. He had a terrific season last year in Florida, and basically people are going, okay, we, we lost Johnny Gaudreau, but this guy had the same number of points, so he's going to step in and do the same job. He's not the same player. He's not. I'm not saying it's better or worse. He's just, I mean, he's a great playmaker, but Johnny Gaudreau likes to bring the puck up the ice, and I don't think Huberto has the same um, the same type of game. He's a terrific distributor of the puck, but uh, you know, he just got to play. He's got to do what he has to do, right? And it takes time sometimes to formulate some kind of chemistry with your line mates and your new teammates coming into a new system. You know, you've been with one team your entire career. Now you're coming to another one. You got to figure it out. Um, and I think he will. He's too good a player to not uh, deliver in terms of putting points on the board. So, you know, getting him back in the lineup is obviously a big boost because talking, you know, earlier about when they were slumping, that they need those big goals and they need their top guys to deliver. I think he will um, once he gets rolling. And the other thing is that, you know, I don't know how long he was banged up, you know, playing with a – like we saw the arm injury um, mm-hmm. early in that road trip and obviously dealing with a lower body as well. He seems to have two things going on. So uh, how much that has hindered him over the course of however long, uh, I'm not sure because <laughs> – Injuries in the NHL are state secrets usually. So, um, you know, I, I have no doubt that Jonathan Huberto is going to deliver. But I, getting back to your question, it would not surprise me at all if um, if he's been putting pressure on himself because of the situation he's coming into. It's almost unprecedented the way everything went down in the summertime. And you're one of the focal points of all that in terms of the guys coming back. And then you get a big contract and uh, the weight of the world on your shoulders. So he's just got to go out and play and play like he can, because when he's just doing that, he's terrific. And I have no doubt that that's going to happen sooner than later. So what, what are your thoughts on Adam Rzichka of late? Because I do think that one of the reasons that Huberto might be starting on that backlit line is because the coach has liked what he's seen between Adam Rzichka and Elias Lindholm on that line to start. So have you liked what we've seen from number 63? Yeah, he's been good. I mean, you know, moving him to the wing, interesting that Daryl Sutter mentioned that, like, hey, you know, we're we're deep down the middle, so we're going to put you on the wing and and a chance to play with Elias Lindholm, and he's making the best of it. I thought they were terrific the other night, especially in the first period. Both of them uh, had a lot of jump to their game, and, you know, they got something going on there, so don't mess with it. I I don't have an issue with that at all, and it's good to see Brzezicki getting a chance to play, um, you know, a little further up the pecking order, and I like it when guys – get an opportunity and make the best of it. And that's what he's done so far. We'll see if it continues, obviously, but uh, so far so good. And, you know, he's a big guy. Like, you know, is he the most physical guy on the planet? No, but when you're 6'4", 220 or whatever he is, I, you know, that's a, that's a huge advantage if you can add, you know, playing, using that size in a positive way on top of everything else to bring to the table. Because as they always say, you can't coach size. So, um, you know, if you can play well and, 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 and do it, as one of the bigger guys on the team, it's certainly a, uh, a nice combination of attributes to have. And I, I like the way he's playing for sure. Uh, Rick, whose slow start has surprised you more this season, Manjapani or Dubé? Uh, tough to say. I mean, like, 
I thought Amandrapani was really good the other night, so you feel like it's going to break out. He's he's a streaky scorer, right? Think back to last season. Um, he does. It seems to once it happens, once that dam breaks, you get the feeling he's going to score a bundle. Um, so maybe him so far, but you know, I think both those guys are good hockey players, and um, like with all the changes on this team, and uh, I think you know, it affected probably everybody in some way because, you know, you've got a team that plays a certain way with guys who've been here for a while. Um, and all of a sudden you're maybe expected to take on a slightly bigger role. So there's a little pressure on you, but uh, I have no doubt both those guys will break out of it at some point, but just because Mondrapani had such a great year last year, right? Uh, perhaps him a little bit has been uh, surprising, but like I said, the, based on watching him for a number of years now, once one goes in, you probably think over the course of the next couple of weeks, there'll be six or seven. That's just the way he is. You mentioned uh, a little earlier on that getting Chris Tanev back has been such a boost for this club, but I thought that one of the maybe silver linings to him being out was that Nikita Zadorov and Mackenzie Weger looked like a, a pretty solid pair, especially on that road trip. They didn't get the wins, but they were playing some good hockey. What's impressed you the most about Nikita Zadorov so far this season? Yeah, I, well, he lost his partner, right? And he's, him and Good Branson are so good as that third pairing, couple of big physical guys, and um but could he step up and take on a little bigger role? Like it's, you know, especially with Tanev out and, you know, Stone out and Shillington still not back there, you know, there's an opportunity to play more, but sometimes when guys, especially defensemen are forced to go for whatever his minutes were last year to add two or three more per game, because you're forced to take on more ice time with guys out of the lineup, um, they get out of their comfort zone and maybe they're not as effective. And he's been good. I, you know, I've always liked him as a player. He could be a little erratic, uh, you know, thinking back to when he was playing in other spots like Colorado. And, um, you know, he really took a big step forward last season and seems like he's doing it again this year in a, in a different role. Um, so good, good for him. You know, again, gets back to where we're talking about Rzyska. He's huge. I mean, Zadorov's just a huge guy. When you see him, you know, I'm a, I'm six foot four. I stand by him. I feel like a kid, right? He's a huge <laughs> man. So again, if you can, you know, if you can harness that size and he plays big too, right? He's a physical yeah. presence. Um, and then, you know, be a responsible guy. He doesn't get caught on a position, likes to take the odd foray into the offensive zone. I, I like what he brings to the table. I think he's taken another step forward this year for sure. So, with the defensive pairings, I think one of the key last season that might go under the radar is by this point of the season, the Flames essentially had their three pairs set. Like you mentioned, it was Zadorov and Goodbranson, it was Tantanev with Shillington, and it was Hannafin and it was Anderson. And we've seen 55 and 4 be a pair, but apart from that, there's been a lot of mixing and matching. Do you How, how much do you think that has had an impact on the Flames' slow start to, well, maybe not a slow start overall, but at least this losing skid? Oh, big. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think in a big way, like, um, and, and it, it sort of manifests itself when the, when the other teams start, like we talked about the fact the flames had the lead in six of those seven games that they lost. Right. Um, they would lock it down a year ago this year with a lot of the changes they've had on the blue line because of injuries. Um, you know, there, there's a little bit of a lack of structure sometimes when the pressure's on and that's to be expected, right? You got guys playing, with different partners, maybe who aren't as experienced, you know, they had a couple of guys paired up on that third pairing during that road trip. Um, you know, one guy never played in the NHL before and the other guy with minimal experience and, and, you know, yeah, you can't expect it to be as solid as it is when you have all six of your guys, you know, through your three pairings that you'd expect to have at the start of the year. So, 
Um, it clearly was a factor. I'm not laying the blame entirely at the feet of the blue line. It's the entire team from the forwards through the defense and goaltending. Um, but you might expect there to be a, a little more lack of cohesiveness on the back end when you have to make all those changes. So I think it's been a big factor. Getting Tanev back is huge. He's such a steadying force, you know, for the entire blue line, whoever he's playing with. Um, you know, he's Mr. Fixer, right? You got a guy who's struggling, stick Tanev with him and uh, he'll settle right down. So I can't overstate how much I respect that guy's game. He's tough as nails, but on top of that, he's just a smart, reliable guy who seems to steady the ship whenever he's on the ice. So uh, having him back in the lineup, I don't think, like I mentioned up the top, kind of half kiddingly, but um, it's 100% true that uh, that getting Chris Tanev back in, I think, was a big factor on the weekend as well and them ending the, ending the slump. Rick Ball uh, covers Flames games for the NHL on Sportsnet. Rick, it was great to see you back in the booth. Um, all the best, and we'll talk again soon. And uh, I hope that bird uh, flies straight to hell one day. Uh, yeah. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> yeah, if it, you know, in a perfect world, he's already burning. You know, okay. lake of fire. All right. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, thanks, Rick. Talk to you later. And please, uh, yeah, um, please, if you're like, we're just joking around about animals and stuff. Please don't, don't shoot us a text. Yeah, please don't do that. We're just, we're just kidding. But but if but, if a bird made you break your leg and you almost lost your life because of it, I think you want a little bit of vengeance on said bird. I was going to say if a bird took my sandwich, I would want vengeance. But yeah, breaking your leg—that yeah. seems like a more reasonable yeah. reaction because the injury and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's more reasonable for sure. Uh, Rick Ball was on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, fourteen-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call four zero three two four eight thirty three forty four or dine in. An Atlas Pizza, sixty sixty Memorial Drive, North East. Yeah. Uh, there, you and I golfed at River Spirit, uh, your golf cl- course, and there were some nasty crows there. Yeah, like that one crow was so badass. I'm pretty sure he was eating rocks. Yeah, and he was looking at us while he was eating rocks in the parking he, he was lot. On the top, it's like that's yeah. right. I eat rocks. They were just. Falling out of his mouth while yeah. he stared at us with his two black eyes. He was about the size of a small dog. He's probably bigger than my dog, frankly. Yeah. Um, Not to be trifled with. Uh, speaking of golf, they eat uh, well out there. Yeah, you were uh, you were swinging it well at Launchpad. I was on swinging Thursday it okay. Night. I felt okay. You, I, you, you hit a, you hit a few nice shots. There. Yeah, there was a few nice shots. It was it was all right. And our technical director Alex Brody came out there. Not a golfer. But boy, was he hacking it up! Dude. Yeah, he was. He was hacking it up. He was slamming it into the carpet. Had a few drinks. Did you have a good uh, time? I enjoyed it. it. It was the coolest thing to me was the ball dispenser. I was freaking out about that. <laughs> it's true. I was yeah, losing my mind. He was very excited that the ball just rose up out of the yeah. ground as soon as you hit it. It was just like, here's another one for you. Here's another one and another one and another one. Yeah, you never have to bend over to pick something up, which never. I love. Uh, it's awesome. Thanks to our man Scott at Launchpad. Yes, uh, great job. Uh, we loved it there. Uh, we want to do it again real soon. Straight ahead, uh, Daryl Evans, former NHLer, LA Kings radio analyst, tee up this Flames Kings battle tonight down at the Dome from the LA side of things, and we'll wrap up the show with some suggestions from you for a Flames victory song. Nine sixty, nine sixty, name and location. One more segment to go. Big Show, Ruskin Rose, Sportsnet nine sixty, the fan. You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's The Big Show. I can't wait for it this time. It's a it's long intro. Yeah. 
It's the Big Show Wrestling and Roast. Sportsnet 960, the fan, mm-hmm. here for another 20 minutes. We'll wrap up the show uh, with some Flames victory songs. We the actually, day after they win, we, we got actually, some good suggestions. We actually have to be on time today. Yeah, a show after That's us. right. We, we have to get there. Unfortunately, there's no Big Show replay at no, 9 o'clock this it's morning. It's too bad. It's too bad. Uh, we're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey Basement System Studio. And joining us right now, ahead of the Flames and Kings down at the Dome tonight, Daryl Evans, former NHLer and LA Kings radio analyst. Daryl, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you doing today? Uh, Daryl, I have to ask you right away. Um, full disclosure, my hometown is beautiful Niagara Falls, mm. Ontario, Canada. And you played for the Niagara Falls Flyers in the old Memorial Arena in Niagara Falls. Uh, give me some memories of my beautiful hometown, Daryl Evans. <laughs> Ah, you know, it was a great time there in Niagara Falls. The uh, the arena itself, the the atmosphere that was there, um, you know, the support we had from the fans was was incredible. You know, I was fortunate enough that, you know, the years that I was there, you know, we had some good hockey teams. So we went into the playoffs and we got great support from the people. But uh, you know, going throughout that city, just you know, watching you know it grow from where it was, you know, back then to where it is today, is has really been amazing and. You know, get back there a couple of times, uh, you know, to visit some friends and things like that. And mm. always have special memories for uh, for not only have played Niagara Falls, but the people that I, uh, you know, that met and uh, the people that I lived with there while I boarded. Uh, Daryl, I know you played for the Flyers. I went to games, uh, Niagara Falls Thunder games as a kid in that arena. Just really quickly, it was a small barn, Daryl. How was it playing in such a small ice surface, especially when things got out of hand, maybe physically? So, uh, you know what, you know, the game was so physical back then, and it just seemed like the fans were right on top of you. And there was a lot of buildings that were similar like that, you know, around the league. But uh, you know, we, we definitely had a home ice advantage when we came to our building, and we had a big physical team the first year being coached by Burt Templeton. And it was it was like, it was so such an energized building to play in. And again, so many fond memories of, uh, you know, that were created in there. And a lot of it had because of the physical play, and those games were so intense. Speaking of physical play, we've seen quite a bit between the Kings and the Flames in recent years, and a lot of that did stem from the Kachuk and Dowdy rivalry. But nevertheless, I'd expect another uh, rowdy one at the Saddledome today, the first meeting between these two Pacific Division rivals. i got to ask you about Gabriel Velarde. He's already got 10 goals on the season, uh, a former high pick who uh, appears to have found his stride. What has been key in the start to the season for this young Canadian? I think getting off to a good start has been a really big key for him. You know, he's gained so much confidence because of that. He, you know, and because of that, he's, his role has been elevated. You know, he's playing consistently on the power play, and now he's on the top line with Kopitar and Kempe. Uh, they've built some chemistry, but he's just he's just playing his game. And, and I think uh, another thing that you can notice is he's having fun playing the game. Uh, he feels very comfortable in everything that he's doing. And I think we're really getting a chance to see the skill set that you know, when he was drafted and scouted that, you know, this is what, uh, you know, people saw in his game and he's definitely showed it. Uh, he's, he's, he's been a big part of the hockey club and a big part of the success that they've had, uh, you know, providing the offense that he has. So, uh, you know, it's a long way to go yet, but he's definitely off to a great start. And uh, right now he shows no signs of, you know, necessary to letting up as he, you know, is he going to score 40 or 50 goals? You know, time will only tell, but uh his ability to be able to make plays, he's big, he's strong, he shoots the puck well. Uh, you know, he's had a lot of chances, so uh, things are things are looking really good for Gabe Lardy, and he, like I say, he's been a big part of the Kings' uh, success early on. 
16 points uh, to start the year for Kevin Fiala, acquired from the Minnesota Wild for a first-round pick and a top-end prospect, and now leading the team in points. But, like you mentioned, that top line is with Kempe and Velarde right now, and they still have that really strong line with Deneau as well as Arvidsson and Moore. So that means Fiala's playing a little further down the lineup. Uh, how has he wound up a little further down, and what have you seen from the, the big off-season acquisition? Well, you go back to, you know, he started on that top line with Kopitar and Kempe and, uh, you know, a couple of injuries come around. Um, Alex Ayafala was out and Byfield, you know, they got injured. So, um, you know, you had to make some adjustments. Uh, you know, the Kings needed to balance things out throughout their lineup. And Fiala's allowed them to be able to do that, playing on that line with uh, Kapari and, and Grundstrom. And they've been able to contribute. Uh, they scored a big goal getting things, uh, uh, you know, underway the other day. But Fiala, you know, he's come as delivered and probably, I mean, as advertised, and he's been able to deliver. He's, uh, he's a guy that quarterbacks the power play. He carries the puck. You know, I think we've got a greater appreciation of what he, you know, his individual skills. He's so strong on the puck, his vision on the ice. He, he actually brings an element that the Kings didn't have in their lineup before. So uh, even though he's averaging a point a game right now, it's the quality of the points that he's getting and the impact that he has on the games that he plays in. Uh, the opposition has to definitely line up different against the Kings now because of his presence. And he just makes the Kings a deeper team, uh, more of a threat. And I think as we get into games that are, you know, going to be tight games, uh, you know, and as you get into, you know, playoff hockey and going down a stretch and things like that, he's one of those guys that I think he can definitely, you know, tag as a difference maker. And uh, I know the Kings are really happy to get him. And, you know, I still think he's, you know, still feeling his way around with his new teammates and that, but, They've embraced him, and uh, he's brought a real, uh, a real, you know, positive influence on the team for sure. Daryl Evans, former NHLer, LA Kings radio analyst, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza uh, Sports Bar and guest hotline on the Big Show, Russick and Rose Sports at nine sixty. The fan, uh, Daryl, you mentioned the name Quentin Byfield, and guy's only twenty years old. Uh, we get wrapped up in, in instant impact players, high draft picks like obviously McDavid or an Austin Matthews, and we expect them to be franchise changers right away. Connor Bedard in this draft. Connor Bedard, right away, come in, be an impact player, win rookie of the year, make your team a legitimate Stanley Cup contender right out of the hop. Uh, but sometimes uh, it takes a while for these guys to kind of find themselves, find their game. Look at Jack Hughes in New Jersey. He was a guy, what's wrong with Jack Hughes? Now he's blossoming into one of the biggest superstars in the NHL. Is it just a matter of, Maybe just wait a little bit uh, till the the seasoning's right on Quinton Byfield. Maybe he just needs a little more time in the uh, American Hockey League to to develop into the player that uh, the LA Kings think that he will be eventually here. Yeah, I think that is a key. I mean, I, you know, when you see the likes of you know the guys that you just mentioned, the McDavid's, the Matthews, and these guys that come in and you know have such an impact right off the bat. You know, there's not a forest with, you know with uh, you know those guys growing in the trees that just come in and. You know, those are those guys come around once in a while, uh, and they you know, they're able to make an immediate impact. And you know, even even for those guys, I mean, they're you know as good as they are, they still haven't been able to get their team, you know, the, you know to you know to the Stanley Cup and and win a, win a championship yet. But you know, they're both unbelievable hockey players. I think when you look at and we've got a couple of great examples on our team in Los Angeles, Adrian Kempe. Look how long it took him, another former first round pick. To finally, you know, you know, get himself his game going. Last year, he set, uh, scores a career high 35 goals. Now, Gabe Velarde, you know, he's starting to break out a little bit. 
I think you really do have to be patient with these guys. Um, you know, I think in, in the case with Quentin Byfield, he's such a big presence, you know, 6'5", 220 pounds. You got to remember the guys that he was playing against, you know, he was playing against his peers. Now you put him in against the best players in the world. It's, there's an adjustment there. And he's, he's slowly making that adjustment. There'll be times when he's on the ice in games and you go, wow, you know, you get a couple of those wow moments, but it's the consistency factor. And it's, you know, it's the wear and tear on the schedule, the physicality, the demand of the NHL, the pressure. And, you know, it, it, it does take time. And I, I, one thing I have a lot of respect for the Kings is, is they're patient with these guys. They understand another guy who's just starting to kind of get his feet wet a little bit now is Kapari, another former first round pick. So it does take time. I don't think you can give up on these guys too early. Uh, and I think from Byfield's standpoint here and here with the Kings that he's in a fortunate position where, you know, they're not throwing him on that top line. Like he's not on the first line. He's not on your first power play unit because of the likes of Copa and and the one, two positions up the middle of the ice. So, you know, the matchups he's going to get are a little bit more favorable right now. And, you know, once he gets himself back, you know, back in the NHL, it's, it's playing on a consistent basis, on a night-to-night basis, and finding a way to round out his game, become more efficient in the face-off circle, make sure you're responsible in the defensive zone, play a complete 200-foot game. We all know what he's capable of doing now at the other end of the rink and when he's got the puck on his stick, but he's got to round it out. That's where you get the trust of your teammates, your coaches, and then you take the next level and you get the respect of the league. I think a lot of fans in Calgary, fans of the Flames, have a a love-hate relationship with Drew Doughty. Um, probably love for the work he's done with Team Canada, winning four gold medals, but then also the the rivalry with Matthew Kachuk, which I'm sure um, Kings fans are, are right on the opposite side of. But we saw him get tangled up with uh, Kirill Kaprizov just last week. Is this the same old Drew Doughty back again this year, healthy and uh, <laughs> contributing in every possible aspect that he can? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, Last year when, you know, when Drew had the injury and really the first time in his career that he's sat up for a significant amount of time and, you know, he got a chance to sit back and, uh, you know, he was a big, he had a big impact on, you know, the King's success last year, even away from the game, like just the conversations he had with so many young players, but he's a big kid in himself. Uh, you know, he's still, he's still got that youthful energy that when he first came into the NHL, he's such a competitive guy. He loves to win and he wants to have an impact on, on his team. And uh, that's what that's what he's doing. You know, he continues to lead the Kings and you know the, the NHL in ice time. Uh, he can play in all situations. The, the bigger the stage, the better his game gets. And he loves playing against the best players in the league. And uh, you know, you talk about the matchups that you know with he and Kachuk had, and uh, you know they got tangled up a little bit when Florida was in last mm-hmm. week. And you know Kaprizov and uh, you know Kaprizov's a, a competitive guy. He's a guy. He's the engine of that team. And uh, you know he knows he's got to neutralize him. So. Uh, you know, Drew steps up. He takes a lot of that stuff personally, and he takes. He's one of those guys that, uh, you know, for the type of player that he is, he takes so much pride in the defensive part of his game. He's not necessarily worried about the, uh, you know, the offensive statistics. It's the defensive pride. If this team can find a way at the end of the night to come out and be a, game, a goal better than the other team, and he's neutralized, you know, the the other team's top players, then he's had himself a great game. So it's it's fun watching him. And it's been fun watching him his entire career, you know, now over a thousand games in the NHL. And uh, he's, he's still got a lot left in the tank. And uh, now that this team has taken a, the step to become a, you know, a, a competitor to be a contender to get in the playoffs, um, you know, that's where he loves to play. He loves to play games in, in you know, April, May, and June. And uh, that's what he's hoping for again with his, with his young core, uh, young group of players that are coming up now. 
Got to ask about the situation between the pipes. Uh, we've already seen Jonathan Quick make 11 starts this season. They're just six for Cal Peterson, and that after Peterson got the three-year deal in the offseason. Jonathan Quick, the 36-year-old UFA at the end of the year, refuses to relinquish the net. What do you see in between the pipes with this team, and, and how could this play out after this year as well? Well, I think it, it provides a real, uh, you know, a constructive, you know, competition between the two of them. And, you know, I know Cal Peterson has struggled a little bit to get off to the start this season. Uh, he won his last game against Detroit. So, you know, hopefully he's turned the corner a little bit. But Jonathan Quick, uh, you know, if, having watched him, you know, every day, I watch him in practice. He's such a competitor. If he was not a goaltender, he'd wear a letter on, on your team. Uh, he's one of the leaders of the team. He's the pulse of the hockey club. And he's got a lot left in the tank. And I remember even going back to his, you know, in the summer this past summer, watching him get on the ice in June and, uh, and you know, just asking him. And he goes, yeah, he goes, you know, he says, starting to get up there, you know, in years, he says, you know, you got to do all you can to, you know, to kind of keep pace. And, and he hasn't lost his stride. Uh, you know, last year when that team uh, was going down the stretch and they needed that push, he, he took the team upon his shoulders and he played some of his best hockey. So, uh, I think right now he's showing that he wants to continue to keep playing. He knows his team's got, you know, a realistic chance to win in the next couple of years, and he wants to be part of it. And, you know, I don't think he, you know, I think he's aware that he's not going to play 72 or 75 games like he used to 10 years ago. I think the position's a lot different for every team, but he wants to be part of it. And I think, I still think he's having a, you know, a, a huge influence on, on Cal Peterson. Uh, you know, Cal Peterson watches him every day in practice watches the way he carries himself, his demeanor, uh, you know, just his, his, his psyche, uh, you know, the, the way he gets into a game. And uh, I think it's a good position. But uh, from, from uh, the standpoint of John, Jonathan Quick moving forward, uh, I think the Kings really have to consider, uh, you know, extending him. Uh, uh, you know, there's, there's nobody um, that is, is, is coming behind. And, you know, they're still waiting for Cal to, you know, to, you know, to t- take over that number one position. But right now, Jonathan Quick is is not going to give it up. Uh, he's not going to give it up easily, even though he's got the you know the extension on his contract. Cal Peterson, uh, you know, Quick's going to give him uh, a run for his money. And I think what happens is is the team is uh, the one that reaps the reward because they get two goaltenders that are on stage trying to you know trying to trying to take the top spot. So uh, goaltending should not be a problem for this team. Uh, you know, as they as they both get into a little bit of a groove here, and hopefully that uh, that is starting to come here as we get through the first quarter of the season. Daryl Evans, former NHLer, LA Kings radio analyst. Uh, Daryl, thanks for this. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, and I'll see you on Clifton Hill I'll one day. You. Okay. Yeah, I look forward to it. Yeah, good old Clifton Hill. You guys have have a great day, and I will look forward to seeing you tonight. All right. Uh, thanks very much. There he goes, Daryl Evans on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, brought to you by the 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248. 3344 or dine in an Atlas Pizza 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Uh, we got about five minutes to go here. Mm-hmm. Um, we opened up the text line today. Uh, money in the bank as usual. Uh, you guys are the best. 960, 960, name and location. Uh, I, I I gave a suggestion for a Flames like victory song the next day to play on the show. Yeah, we're all excited. Flames snapped their ugly losing streak. We can on play Saturday like some night. clips over it, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like we absolutely maybe we do that for the intro of the show. I don't know. Yeah, maybe knows? we do that. Um, I I saw this last night on social media. I'm like, we got to play this as the Flames victory song. It's uh, it's a seniors choir uh, doing a cover of Hot in Here. Uh, hit it for me. <sighs> 
I like that it takes a while to yeah, get to it too. I like that they yep. Here we go. Yep. Uh-huh. He's just grooving. They're just like just moving think, side to side. Just think of your grandma and grandpa singing this in the oh, choir yeah. right the now. The arms are flailing. Yeah. Oh, I didn't hear. Take that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take my robes The old off. birds can't keep up. Yeah. <laughs> they can't. Hey, Betty, Ruth, Margaret, they can't keep up. Uh, I love that. Uh, Flames Victory Song Day, that's mine. That cover so of Hot bad. in Here. That's terrible. From that uh, Seniors Choir. Uh, what was your song that you wanted? Um, I went through a few, but uh, I like the idea that uh, Patty brought up of uh, going back to Spitfire. Okay. That do was we, a fun one. we have that? That was a fun one that we used to have back. Then I also had uh, The Ring of Fire, which is still the one right now. I okay. like a nice low voice for that. Okay. Do we, do we have either of those? Oh. This used to be the intro song. Yeah, 04 Cup oh. Run. This thing hits. Holy, oh. holy crap. Shivers. Shivers. Okay. All right. Okay. And then, like, big voice guy, the big show with Rustic and Rose on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Welcome to the ice. Your Calgary. Wow. Flay! In goal. Number 34. Mika Kiprusov. I, you didn't want to. And do- on the right wing. I was going to say. Number 12. Yep. Are you trying to cut Beasley's grass? I love Beasley. Yeah. I I want to do that one day eventually when he's ready. I, to- I like how it just abruptly stopped there. I just Dude. stopped it. Okay, that was good. That was very good. Uh, I like that. We could do that. Um, we got you got other we got other great ones here um, from our listeners. Uh, Dan, um, we didn't play this one. For whom the bell tolls? This is this is a banger mm, too. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. <sighs> Starts off slow. It's like the big show with Rustic and Rose, and then it really. This is pretty good. Uh, Jeff from all the way in Trenton, Ontario. Little Tom Cochran, Victory Day. <laughs> Would you say it's got to be Big League if it's, it's Tom same, Cochran, it's the, though, right? Big League's on the same album. Would you say that? Uh, <laughs> what would f- I say? The Flames are on the highway to winning. <laughs> So bad. That was awful, George. So bad. That was terrible. Yeah, I know. Um, not this one. Uh, Chris Vito. from Airdrie, uh, "Hot in the City" by Billy Idol. <laughs> I didn't grab that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> now, what? Add. Which ones ding, do we ding, have ding, in the last ding, minute ding, here? Ding, 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 ding. I got uh, "Cowboys from Hell." All right, play that. Mm-hmm. Okay, Pantera. This is from Brandon in Calgary. This is intense. You got one more? Yeah, I got uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I got a little mm-hmm. Billy Joel. Okay, play the Billy Joel. Yeah. It's been since the world's been turning. Do we have we come did we come to a decision on what we want? <laughs> if the Flames win tonight, we play what song tomorrow morning as the intro to the show? Why don't we do like a Twitter poll? Pick a pick pick a few bangers. 
Maybe we got we to gotta extend this a little bit into tomorrow. Too, I think this one needs sword. to be fleshed out a little bit. Yeah. Because we've picked a few doozies. Yeah. But there's a few that I would like to gather. Yeah. And share. Okay. In a little bit more of a presented package. Okay. I like it. Uh, you know what else I like? What do you like? Uh, the fact that we don't have a big show replay straight ahead. New program. Yeah. Buckle up, folks. New program. Uh, the Donovan Bennett experience. It's actually called Going Deep with Donovan Bennett. Big debut. Uh, big debut straight ahead. The Pat Steinberg Telethon for middle-aged men with rumbly tummies. Uh, that starts at 4 o'clock with Pat Steinberg. Uh, Flames and Kings tonight down at the Dome. Check the time. 6.30. We'll be all over this game like a dirty shirt tomorrow morning. Uh, that's it for us. Uh, big thanks to all of our guests. Big thanks to you for weighing in. Congratulations to Sean who won the tickets. Uh, We'll talk to you tomorrow. Enjoy the DJ show straight ahead. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.